Welcome to episode 13, The Cape Crusader, Then and Now. On this episode, Johnny and Eddie discuss Batman movies from 1966 to 2021. Johnny recalls Batman serials from back in 1943, and Eddie shares the story of recently acknowledged Batman co-creator Bill Finger. We invite you to grab some popcorn and your favorite beverage, take a seat, and put up your feet, because we're talking movies. Welcome back. I'm Johnny Popcorn. And I'm Eddie Klee, and we're Talking Movies. So, Johnny, before you get started, you know, I know that this is your favorite part where you like to talk. I got something <laughs> I just want to do real quick. Last week, I, I had teased an upcoming episode and mentioned that I would have a teaser for everyone this week. And I figured we, if we played it at the top of the show, it would be fitting. That way, everybody hears it. I imagine that some people may not catch the funniest part of the show, which is usually my ending. I, I agree. I, I agree. I digress. <laughs> so I'm going to play a teaser right now for you. All right. Starting September 9th. This is it a time travel thing? Oh, yeah. They're, yeah. they're traveling all over. We're talking movies will make history. My gosh. Sure cut the learning curve. We'd wipe out the whole scenery. By dropping the first of a two-episode special event. Count it all. Yeah. I'm always amazed. Hey, dude. Dude. <laughs> dude. Be part of this historic event. Tell your family, your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, your acquaintances, and the deli lady at the grocery store. Old school. Everything old school. Is, See, that's, you, you think you're back in, like, in the olden days. September 9th, part one. We're talking Keanu Reeves. Whatever game it was. Playing so there's, Fortnite, which so is there's, on my iPhone. So there you go. See, there's money out there. September 16th, part two. We're talking... You once was an associate of ours. We called him Baba Yaga. If you're not listening, you don't know what you're missing. Don't let this historic event pass you by. Subscribe now. Baba Yaga. You heard it right. A two-episode event. We're really excited about it. We're talking Keanu Reeves, and we're talking... <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Please tell your family and friends they are not going to want to miss it. Johnny, I can't wait. Normally, I'd throw it back to you. But well, you I, got me excited already. Come on. <laughs> yay. Normally, I'd throw it back to you, but I feel like I have some sort of power going here. So, Johnny, where are we going today? Well, Eddie, we're going to Gotham City. Gotham. You know, that's uh, in the D.C. universe. I know. It is. It's part of your world, I know. But there are a few of these characters that I know in that realm. The other guy that wears the big S on his chest Wonder Woman, and then the guy we're talking about today. If you forgot one, he was the subject of the greatest movie ever made that came out this spring. I said I talked about the ones I know about. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I read all the comic books with those three characters in them. And, of course, we're talking today about the Cape Crusader, about Batman, and we're going to do it then and now. And you're going to give us a little bit of an introduction to that 
world. Yeah, I just want to mention something I never knew or noticed. Normally, we talk movies, I'm going to veer off a tad and recommend that anyone who is a Batman fan, if they have Hulu, there is a documentary called Batman and Bill. And basically, this creator of this documentary, everyone knows that the creator of Batman is Bob Kane, right? That's who I under- That's who I understood it was, yes. Well, little do people know that there was also a second person who actually wrote most of the comics Hmm. and had a lot of suggestions and actually drive what Batman looked like in the comics. He wasn't a drawer, but as they would talk, as he would come up with stories, he helped mold what Batman is today. And for the longest time, Bob Kane did not give him credit. And some of it was because at the time he was Bill Finger, is his name, he was a struggling writer. He did a lot of the stuff like anonymously uh, because he needed the money. But, uh, what happened was in this show on Hulu, the gentleman actually finds the daughter of Bill Finger. He gets them involved with DC Comics. And what happens is in 2015, Bill Fingers is now credited as one of the creators of Batman. So starting in the second season of Gotham, you'll see in the credits Bob Kane and Bill Finger. And movie-wise, the first time that it's listed is in Batman versus Superman. If you see in the credits at the end, it'll say Batman created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger. Took almost 80 years because I think Batman was created, we were talking about it, in the 30s. I think Superman was originated in, what, a 38? And didn't you say that Batman Kane, or whenever he first appeared, was like 1939? So yeah, he, he appeared first in Detective mm. Comics number 27 mm. in 1939. I just wanted to get that out there. It's an interesting fact. I started watching it because, you know, it's Batman. I'm on Hulu and I see well, Batman and Bill. What the heck? Very interesting. It's not a negative thing against Bob Kane. He was reluctant to do it for a while. Yeah, um, well, it, you know, this happens a lot with in these creations. The creative world uh, is, you know, come, kind of gets a little, little messy, shall we say. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It obviously started as a comic series, and of course, we're talking movies. One of the things I checked out, I had this, I had told Eddie, I said, one of the things I remember from long ago, I had seen once that there was a serial, you know, like the old, uh, there was a Bulldog Drummond was another uh, great serial that used to play. You know, you'd go to the, the movies, this was back, I'm talking the 40s and so on, where the thing would always end, it'd be like a 20, 25 minute, mini film, if you will, and there'd be a cliffhanger. The hero is either falling off a cliff, going to be run over by a train, whatever, and you had to come back next week to see what happened. And I realized, I thought there was a Batman serial, and indeed there was. We did a little research. I pulled one up on YouTube. One of the first episodes, it was The Electrical Brain. The guy that played Batman was a guy by the name of uh, Lewis Wilson. And it's a little stagey. It's a little, well, by today's production standards, you know, it's what it is. It was quickly put together. And Robin shows up in there. But anyway, they had a series. I don't know how many episodes they had, but that was the first time that it appeared on the screen. One of the things that came out of that is very interesting. Two elements that we heavily associate with Batman movies, and we've seen Jeremy Irons plays uh, Alfred in more of the recent, which the what the Batman versus Superman thing, and of course we had the great Michael Caine, and so on and so forth. We've had actors who have played these various roles. Well, in this ser- serial, it's the first mention of the Bat's Cave. 
They call it the Bats Cave. It's interesting, the very opening sequence, you see him in costume, the Cape Crusader, is sitting behind a desk in this <laughs> cave. The second thing is Alfred is introduced. And apparently, it said the, the guy that plays it in the movie is a thin a thin guy. He also plays a chauffeur, and he chauffeurs him around, and he's, he's his manservant. Apparently, in the original drawings, Alfred was a pretty chunky guy. Oh, really? And out of this serial, Alfred becomes, he's even later drawn as a thin, and he's mustachioed in this. He has a mustache in this movie, and he transforms it. That character gets transformed in subsequent films and on paper. That's pretty cool. Back, yeah. That was back then. I mean, we're talking. Yeah, we're talking back then. This is the early then. stages. And the other thing that we're going to mention, there I'm was gonna, a, I'm going to guess the commercial was in black and white. Yeah, uh, well, this whole thing was in black and white. There was in 1949, they came up with another Batman and Robin, another little serial thing. But we're moving closer. And I'm going to say one more thing about the end and then, and then I'm going to turn it over to Teddy to continue. That is the TV show that showed up with Adam West playing Batman in 1966. And I know a little bit about this because I was watching those series. And it was so popular that this is, was a first. It played twice a week on a Tuesday and Thursday night. And when they closed one episode, they always said, Tomorrow, same bat time, same bat channel. And then they had all these great actors that came in and played these various roles. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible when you look at that that TV show. So we are talking movies. So, yes, Batman, so we're moving. Batman the movie was in 1966, and it actually originally the movie was supposed to be come out first, and then the TV show. It was supposed to be like a launching pad for it, but it ended up being in the middle, which. It was right after the first season, mm -hmm. so between first and second. And the producers of the TV show were very happy because with the $1.4 million budget, hmm. they made planes and bikes and all this kind of stuff that then they could use in the TV show after the movie was over. So I thought that was... That was uh, very cool. That was pretty cool. Also, Adam West initially was reluctant to do the movie. He didn't want to do it. But uh, the producers persuaded him because they said if he didn't do it, they would find someone else for the film that would play Bruce Wayne and Batman. So he all of a sudden decided, yeah, I'll do it. But he would only do it if, this is funny, this just shows Adam West, if there were quite a bit more Bruce Wayne scenes. He wanted to be in the movie more without the mask than in the mask. Well, it's kind of hard to be recognized if they don't see you one way or the other. I mean, if you're always behind the mask, they could put anybody behind there. Well, assuming you look similar. Yeah, I remember that well. And, of course, he ended up probably pretty much, shall we say, typecast. Yeah. But he, he milked that for a while. I mean, I'm sure yeah. he went to a lot of shows, signed a lot of autographs. I don't know what kind of money he made. The rest of his life he's been milking it. Yeah. I mean, now he's, he's passed. But yeah. Yep. A couple other things. You might know this. I have a sense of what this means, but I figured, oh, he'll get a kick because this was in 1964. 
The Penguin's submarine interior in the movie are the sea view sets from Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. Hmm. Do you uh, know that movie, Voyage to the well, Bottom of the Sea? Well, there was a voyage, and there, I think they also made it into a TV series as well. The Voyage uh, to the Bottom of the Sea, yeah, with Walter. I think the movie had Walter Pigeon, Yvette Mumur, and uh, a bunch of other relatively well-known people. But I think it also was a TV series if I uh, spun off the movie. I think the movie came first before the series. But anyway, yeah, I remember the Sea View. That there's a name out of the past. Yeah. <laughs> I, I knew you would know that. <laughs> well, that's it. That's the then part. Yes. <laughs> I got two more things then we can move yep. on from this yep. one. So Julie Newmar, yes, who's the Catwoman in the Catwoman. TV show, yep. she was not in the movie. And here's why. Because she did not know about it. Ooh. Before she signed on for another project. By the time she was informed, she could not get out of her other commitment in time to do the movie. Mm. So they had to find someone else. And then I thought this was, this is kind of funny. I mean, it's all about money and all that kind of stuff. And I'm a Disney guy, right? So this movie, Batman the Movie 1966, was produced by 20th Century Fox, which owned the film rights to Batman before DC was purchased by Warner Brothers. Mm. So ironically, Fox, who would later release comic book films, Marvel comics, such as X-Men, Deadpool, mm -hmm. Dome. Mm -hmm. After those last few months, now Disney owns 20th Century Fox, which means they also own one DC movie, Batman the Movie 1966. Isn't that weird? Isn't it? That is, well, that's what happens with some of these things. What I remember from this movie, before we go any further, I'm done with my, my trivia on this one. Now, of course, I wasn't around to see the actual run of the show when it was supposed to run. Right. Or probably the first, like, so many years of reruns. But eventually I was able to see it. I always remember it for the pow, punch. And and the one line that always sticks in my, my head, because I say it at home sometimes, and my girls are like, what are you talking about? Holy Toledo, Batman. <laughs> exactly. And it was it was really unique that they put those those effects in there. And the other thing is that the actors that were that they used were very late in their career. The one guy that went on later to be even probably more significant because he was in the Rocky films and that is uh, Burgess Meredith who played the penguin. But most of those actors, Cesar Romero, who played the Joker, he was late in his career. But it was a, a good launching board. They, some of these older actors got a chance to make a few extra paychecks. And it was entertaining and for probably, I don't know, a year and a half. Yeah, it's said after the second season started. They were going to have a follow-up movie, yeah. but they it faded. It. it faded. It faded. Anyway, that's that. That's some of the then. Let's move more to the now. That was made in 1966. Six. Well, then you got to fast forward, which feels like a lifetime, <laughs> to mm -hmm. 1989. <laughs> right. I mean, it it was out. There. I mean, the cart, you know, the cartoon or the comic book was still rolling on. But yeah, it was not on film. It just kind of dissipated. And we've talked about this because of the 70s, some of those crime movies we talked about, what happened because of what happened in the 60s. We had Vietnam. There was the civil rights. There was a lot of political turmoil. The movies reflected that got more somber, more serious, a lot of subject matter. Nobody was doing superheroes. We could have used a superhero probably at that time, but it was not appearing. So, so that brings us to Batman 1989, uh, directed by Tim Burton, 
Which Tim Burton, I, some movies I like, some I don't. Yeah, that's I, right. It's kind of, but I like this Batman. Now, sitting here today, that Batman from 1989 is like my version of the Powell Punch one. You know what I mean? But but then in 1989, I was watching, I went a couple of times. I was sold. Oh my gosh. Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson, mm-hmm. Kim Bassinger, Billy D. Williams. I didn't even realize he was in that. He was Harvey Dent, which I yeah, thought was funny. Yeah, but. What, um, what's weird is both Tim Burton and Michael Keaton didn't really like the movie so much. The next one, which is Batman Returns, not only is it Tim Burton's only sequel movie he's ever made, mm-hmm. but he and Michael Keaton liked that movie better than the previous movie. Which, I, and I weird. didn't. I didn't. I didn't like the, the that's the Penguin, and then you also yeah, I didn't had like it you you also had uh, Michelle Pfeiffer was in that film, wasn't she? The second one, I believe. Yeah. I think she was in the second one. Yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer, yeah. Danny DeVito. Yeah, DeVito played the the penguin. I, it was okay. I I like the first one. One of my favorite lines of all the Batman movies was in the first one, with Jack Nicholson the Joker, because, at that one sequence when Batman's appearing and there's all these things flying through the air and he's moving around and he's flying through the air, and that's when Nicholson said something like, uh, "Gee, where does he get all those wonderful toys? Where does he get those wonderful toys?" <laughs> yeah, and, and he's he's quoted as saying that it was one of his favorite roles he's ever played because yeah. he just got to go. Yeah, he could play it crazy. wild, and yeah. he did. And he, let's face it, he's... Uh, <laughs> and he was top billing in that movie. Yeah. He was top billing over even Michael Keaton. He was also nominated yep. for an Academy Award for Supporting Actor. He did not win, but that was a pretty significant first, honor coming from that film, actually. First superhero movie. Mm. to ever have that i kind of ran right over that do you want to go back to 1989 or are we just gonna because we gotta fly through these we things gotta, anyway. no no okay. let's okay. keep going that, that's the benchmark and they they didn't think keaton was strong enough you know he was usually a comic kind of guy you know kind of easy going and his most of the time you see him is his demeanor is not he's not really focused he doesn't seem like although his we've seen him in a couple other roles where he played some pretty tough uh what was the one we, we saw Keaton in more recently? American Assassin, where he's a CIA kind of guy. And he's pretty rough in that one. He, he's also in Marvel's Spider-Man Homecoming. He's uh, a, the vulture. Very oh, good. No, Very right. good job in that. So before I go on, there are two things that you reminded me while I was, I was thinking. Mel Gibson was the first choice to play Batman in that movie, which I thought was crazy. He was even considered to play Harvey Dent Two-Face, but was forced to turn it down to his commitment to Braveheart. Hmm. Interesting. Which I'm glad. I yeah. Mean, I, I, think, I don't know. I think he made a better choice, frankly. <laughs> be a little, <laughs> little tarnished. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, Kim Basinger was the original choice to play Vicki Vale, which that's who played it. But her agent wouldn't let her. She wouldn't let her even meet with the producers unless they made a incredible offer to her. Right. Right. So. Sean Young, I've never heard of oh, her. Oh, yeah, Sean Young. Uh, she was casted in set instead. But then she broke her collarbone while practicing oh. horseback riding for a scene set to the grounds of Wayne Manor. So she's yeah. practicing a scene on horseback, yeah. and she falls over, breaks her collarbone. She had to drop out of the movie. So Basinger received an emergency call. They gave her what she wanted money-wise, and boom, she's boom, in the she's movie. I would talk more about Sean Young, but then I have to connect her to a guy that we've already talked about many times on this show, oh, no. who is in another movie with. <laughs> yeah, you got it. 
Kevin Costner oh, and No Way Out, which is a very good political thriller. Sorry, folks. I, I can't help myself. This These a, things just keep coming up. <laughs> he's going to have to start paying money to us. for That's right. <laughs> coming up and all this stuff. And if you want to, if he wants to call in, write in, whatever, we're well, Mr. Costner, please go ahead. And, and someday on this show, I will tell my Kevin Costner story, but we won't do it today. Yeah, let's wait a couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just real quick, the budget for Batman in 1989, $35 million. Domestic gross was $251 million. Mm. Worldwide gross, $411 million. That's pretty um, good. Domestically, it was the highest grossing movie in 1989. What came in second was Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Mm. Surprisingly. Mm -hmm. So that's 1989. Yeah. And the Last Crusade had Sean Connery as the old man in that. Yeah, that's father. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. that probably didn't hurt at the uh, box office having you know Connery playing uh, your father. That's my favorite one. Yeah, I, I, that's just too good together. I mean, it's. So next we have Batman Return, as we talked a little about yeah. already. Christopher Walken's in this one too. I'm not, about, I'm not going to do. I my, forgot about that. Yeah. I'm not going to do my Christopher Walken impression. And we can we can blow through a couple of those others because they're other than who. The importance of who's in them. Right. The movies are kind of, again, we're back to, they weren't very good. Yeah, the only thing I want to say, Madonna shared Demi Moore wanted the role of Catwoman. Mm -hmm. Originally, Tim Burton casted Annette Benning to be Catwoman. Wow. But soon after she got the part, she got pregnant by Warren Beatty and decided the best thing for her to do was to drop out of the movie. Uh, so she was replaced by Michelle Pfeiffer, who actually demanded more money. Here's one that was... <laughs> Pfeiffer was pretty popular at that period of time, too. She was really uh, doing some several films, I believe. Here's three other people that were actually serious. The superstars wanted to be in it. These people actually were considered. Meryl Streep. Mm. But then it was decided she's too old. <laughs> Brooke Shields was considered. But Tim Burton turned her down because he believed she no longer was bankable. Mm -hmm. Susan Sarandon. Wow. But eventually she opted out of it. So I just thought that was kind of yeah. crazy. And lastly, there was talk, and Jack Nicholson was all on it, for him to appear in this movie as well. Even though he died, they were going to bring him back somehow. Mm -hmm. But that's when Tim Burton put down his foot and said, I don't do sequels. So this movie's going to be written and seem like it is a totally different movie and having Jack Nicholson in it. The only two the only two people that are in that movie that were in the original was the guy that played Alfred and Michael Keaton. Mm. Everybody else was switching. Yeah, it was Michael Goff, I believe, was, if I recall, it was Michael Goff, the English actor who was playing uh, Alfred at that time. Uh, a couple other movies that came very quickly. You want to talk about those? Batman Forever with Val Kilmer taking the uh, cape. Yeah, Val Kilmer. He and Joel Schumacher, who was the director, did not right. get along at right. all. There's no, no surprise that he wasn't casted in the next movie. Tim Burton was actually slated to direct it. And Mickey Dolenz, I don't know who that is. Maybe you do. Uh, Mickey, Mickey Dolenz, D-O-L-E-N-Z. He was supposed to play the Riddler if that, Burton got it. That's the guy from the Monkees, I believe. That's the guy that oh, was in the Monkees, uh, the, the Monkees uh, well, singing fun. group, you know, musical group. So yeah. after Burton dropped out, Robin Williams was offered the role, mm -hmm. but he refused 
due to being very bitter because he felt he was used as bait to lure Jack Nicholson into the first Joker because he was on tap to be it. And then Jack Nicholson all of a sudden said, I'll do it. And then kicked Robin Williams to the curb. Rene Russo was originally going to be Dr. Chase Meriden, who was the love interest, if Michael Keaton was going to return, which he would only return if Burton did. Mel Gibson was offered Harvey Dent Mm. again for this movie. Michael Jackson was a potential person to be Riddler. You're killing me. You're killing me with this stuff. You're killing me with this stuff. Matthew Broderick. The, the movie, these people, the movie wasn't worth all these people, you know, taking the time with all these people as far as I'm concerned. There was someone else that was considered for the role of Bruce Wayne. One Keanu Reeves. Oh, wow. Wow. Very cool. Very cool. Well, the next one was then Batman and Robin, and that's another guy that was pretty hot at the time or starting to get hot. Yeah, George Clooney. And he, yep. he jokes around saying he killed the movie. He well, he kind of, yeah, he may have. I mean, it just, both of those films, again, here we go. Like you say, the director played around with it. They got back to a little cartoonish. They had everybody in it, and it was just not, not where we wanted it to be. If, if looking back, as you say, looking back, and why do we look back? What is it? By, by what standard are we judging? What, by what standard are we judging these films? There's one thing I have to say. I got to tell you who was considered for Mr. Freeze. Schwarzenegger was Mr. Freeze, right? right. Ed Harris, Patrick Stewart, Anthony Hopkins, and Hulk Hogan. Uh, now, all of that pales in comparison to Christopher Nolan's trio of movies. It's time to concentrate on the best Batman movies that are out there. Yeah, well, this this change, in my mind, as I said, I, I grew up reading the Batman comic books. While those were entertaining, and I agree, the first one, when, when Keaton came back and they did that, I was I was enthralled with the whole thing. It was I thought it was terrific. And then, of course, it started to go the way that I feel that it sometimes happens when they keep, like, adding all these stars and so on and so forth, which is fine if the movie, if it helps the movie or the script is good and so on. But what we're talking about now, when we finally get to, what was it, uh, 2005? Yeah, 2005. Christopher Nolan... And as you started to say, the trilogy that he created, which I love, and there, we can quibble, people can quibble about which movie is better than the other, but as a whole, he got back to, as I say, characters that I really cared about. It was in the uh, dark, edgy, what you would expect from a crime-ridden town when you need, require someone to come in and play good guy and help the police round up the, the characters and of course out of these roles or out of these movies came some terrific actors now we had some good actors who were put in roles that actually used their talents right. and they weren't you don't look at this and say oh my gosh there's Arnie playing such and such with totally out of character these characters matter you care about them good bad whichever side of the fence they're on because they're given something really to do. That's, that was my perspective on the, all three films. Which one would you rate of the three? And I was, you might as well give the titles. Okay, so we have Batman Begins, 2005. Mm-hmm. The Dark Knight was in 2008. And The Dark Knight Rises was in 2012. I cannot believe yeah, it's that, that long it was ago. that long ago. Yeah, I know. And, of course, the guy who put the cape and cowl on 
and played brilliantly as far as we're both concerned. He was Christian Bale. Christian Bale. And it was well done. The way no one conceived it. And also, we got to mention, we've talked about composers before. Hans Zimmer really adds to this with the dark, pounding. Some people would say, oh my gosh, it's pretty noisy. But it works. His music really works in this film, to my, to my judgment. <laughs> these films, these films, not just one. first letters of tracks four through nine in the soundtrack spell Batman. Ah. He used names of bats, different species of that. That is very interesting. Well, he's a very interesting dude. He's a very talented uh, musical genius. He's the marketing cost in this movie was $100 million, and that's not even included in the $150 million budget. Yeah, but it made a ton. Uh, the, the three films together made a lot of money. The first one, since it was out of the box and it was, you know... People probably hesitated and didn't know if they wanted to see it. But once the the stories got rolling, number two and number three, and I really, I like two and three, mainly because the first one they had to go through and introduce the story again, how he got to be Batman and so on, which right. if you followed Batman, I mean, they were telling you some, they put the uh, that guy with uh, Jillian, uh, Jillian Mur Murphy, the guy that put the burlap sack over his head, ran the, the doctor that was always putting that, spraying that uh, oh, stuff uh, on people. Jonathan yeah. Crane, the, the, yeah. the yeah. scarecrow. Yeah, and then they had Tom Wilkinson in there. He was playing a criminal leader who Batman disrupts his operation. That was to kind of get the track rolling. It wasn't until we got the number two and you bring the Joker into play. Christopher Nolan wanted this movie to be as you view it, and it could be done today. The, the studio actually wanted Ashton Kutcher to be Batman. Christopher Nolan came in and said, no, I don't want a comedian. I want this. I don't want it to be campy. I, he loved the Batman in 1989. Mm -hmm. he said, he's on record saying that. But he wanted to be down to earth, as realistic as possible. I mean, even all of the stuff with the bat suit and the... The cape, all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff, they're actually, they're made after real-life military products that are out there, that are used. So he wanted to be down to earth, and I think that was what showed. And starting from Batman from the beginning and doing what he did showed a more realistic way of how he became Batman. Well, this goes to my argument about when studio heads get in and say, let's make another movie because, you know, we, the last one made a ton. Let's put on a movie, basically. This guy had respect for the original characters. That's why I liked it, because right. I could see this was a real Batman. Somebody had to take the reins and be a good guy and battle the bad guys. And everything that's done, there is not a comedic element to it. Oh, the Joker brought some, you know, because yeah. he is the Joker. But there's, a, you know, still it's edgy. He's bad. You know there's bad. It's, this is not a cartoon. It's a serious stuff. He's hurting people. He's killing people, he's blowing stuff up, and he matches wits with the uh, the Batman. Christopher Nolan picked Heath Ledger based on, Heath Ledger actually auditioned for Batman in Batman Begins. Mm -hmm. And during his audition, they both said, no, this isn't my kind of part. So then Christopher Nolan called him back and said, now I got a part for you. Even uh, Michael Caine said a lot of people were like, Heath Ledger, how's he going to top Jack Nicholson? Michael Caine said, there's no no looking back. I mean, he is the best Joker ever, Heath Ledger. 
a couple of things were funny inside the movie. There's a couple home videos. I don't know if you remember when he captured the one guy that was dressed as Batman and he's doing a little video. Right. Well, Christopher Nolan let Heath Ledger handle the producing and filming of, of those that little sequence videos. Oh, wow. It was pretty good. So in, in preparation for the role, Heath Ledger hid away in a motel for six weeks. During this extended stay, he developed deep into the psychology of the character. He devoted himself to developing Joker's every tick, namely the voice, the sadistic sound. He wanted to do everything he could not to sound anything like Jack Nicholson. So he practiced, practiced, practiced. He based it on a punk rocker and a weird people, a character from A Clockwork Orange. Orange, yes. Uh, Malcolm McDowell. Mm -hmm. So it was pretty crazy, and he was nuts. I think he, he might have lost his mind playing the role when it comes across on the screen. It's, and there's some great lines. They gave him great lines. He, he, he did it well. He won, well, he won an Academy Award. Unfortunately, he wasn't around to accept it. He was terrific. Uh, Here, here's one thing I thought you'd think it would be interesting. The first four days of scheduled shooting for The Dark Knight, no film roles. Instead, writers, producers, directors, the whole cast and crew for four days watched eight movies. Heat. Ooh, well. Cat People. 1942, mm -hmm. Citizen Kane, 1941, mm -hmm. King Kong, 1933, Batman Begins, Black Sunday, 1977, A Clockwork Orange, 71, and Stalag 17? Stalag 17. 1953. Concentration camp with the Hogan's Heroes, uh, which was a TV show, was based, that was a comic uh, relief, but Stalag 17 is William Holden in a prisoner war camp in Germany. You mentioned something there about it was interesting that that Black Sunday, we mentioned that before because Robert Shaw was the Israeli guy who was trying to stop Bruce Dern from blowing up the Super Bowl. So it's interesting they used that because it's a little maniacal. And, and Dern, as he got older, and he's played old man roles now, remember he, he killed John Wayne in The Cowboys. And that was like made him a really bad guy, shot him in the back. <laughs> So Bruce Dern is known for that, and he's a little twisted. And I think if you if you watch Bruce Dern and Keith Ledger did, he'd pick up a few uh, weird. I mean, as a director, yeah. he wanted to set the tone, set yep. the mood. I am always impressed. I love hearing those stories about how they bring these things or work behind the scenes to either get characters or the stuff that happens around movies that we don't see it on the screen, but it affects what's on the screen. And let's not forget who's in this movie supporting these people. We got Anne Hathaway as... In the, sec in the third one, yeah. Yeah. Catwoman. Yeah, cool. Catwoman. And, of course, uh, as Alfred, we have one of our faves, Michael Caine. Uh, love the guy. Sir Michael Caine, yeah. Sir Michael Caine, thank you. Gary yeah. Oldman. Yeah, he's Commissioner Gordon. He was first auditioned for a villain role. That never made it into the movie. What a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Morgan Freeman. Oh, yes. The great Morgan Freeman. And uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yes. So, and of course, Tom Hardy. You can't leave. <laughs> oh, yeah. Can't leave in, in the third one as Bane, uh, Tom Hardy, who you don't see. He's got this mask, this breathing apparatus on it, and he's his voice is muffled. He's there. He made. He's pretty impressive. In fact... Everything about all three of these movies, and we're assuming we're not going to go into all the plot points because 
most of you who pay attention to these kind of things have probably seen those films. If you haven't, and you have any interest in seeing very good movies, forget the fact that it's these cartoon-inspired films. These are real serious. These are serious movies, and they're they're great to watch. And we've rewatched them over and over and over and over and over. over, Yeah. I mean, they put a lot of work into it. Yeah. There's all they're called. But we could do another show even if we kept going. Well, yeah. We gotta me. We gotta move on. And, and touch on the last couple here. Well, the next one that came up, of course, is Batman versus Superman, and we're leading against. We're we're starting to set up, and this, you know, more about all these these characters than I do, as far as when we talk about the Justice League, because they're setting the stage for the spinoffs and the additional films that are going to come out of this. You had Ben Affleck playing Batman, and then Henry Cavill, who played under director Zack Snyder in. Uh, Man of Steel, and they brought him together. The only thing I said, I we watched this film. This was one of those that Eddie and I actually went to the movies to see. I didn't really like the film. The best part, I thought, is Wonder Woman coming into it, the introducing Wonder Woman, which, of course, later on, she had her own movie in 2017. And we're talking Gal Gadot. Jeremy Irons, What the one thing I really liked about the film is that Michael Caine wasn't playing Alfred, we had another favorite of mine, particularly, is Jeremy Irons. Did you like the film? I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I think it, we... It was loosely based on, I think it's Mark Miller. I think it's Mark Miller. It, it, yeah. His comic book. It's about an old, retired Batman coming back and, uh, into the suit because he sees Superman in a threat and all that kind of stuff. It's, it really... And that's the kind of Batman we got. We got the old Batman, gray hair. When it was announced, it was kind of getting a little hard to get around who's playing him. But it was it was okay. I would say the best part of the movie was Wonder Woman. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I thought it was. I, I really did. I had nothing against Cavill because I just didn't think... The movie was supposed to look like it was supposed to be Affleck's, and he played it surly. I mean, he was really surly. I mean, there's some other stuff around him, but I just didn't like the tone. And, and Snyder made it, again, dark. Not that... Nolan's is bright, but I just thought the the movies oh, yeah. were much better. I mean, th- I think most people thought Wonder Woman was the best part because right after that movie, Wonder Woman had her own movie, and yeah, and rightly so. It went out, out of control, popular movie. So yeah, and then in Justice League, everybody, you know, a lot of the DC fan base, they've been wanting a Justice League, especially after the Avengers and how popular the Avengers mm-hmm. are. They wanted to see the Justice League and. I think it was okay. It got kind of screwed up a little because Zack Snyder had to leave and couldn't finish the movie um, for some tragic reasons. And we yeah, wanted to go into more right now. Yeah. People that criticized him about Batman versus Superman are now saying, well, if he did his take on it, if he ended it and didn't, because new scenes were filmed from the other director and all that kind of stuff, well, if he would have had his way, it would have turned out a lot better. Right. I don't know. Because Batman versus Superman, he did, and not so much. Well, and that moves us to, and we're not going to go on it because it hasn't opened yet. We've seen the trailer. I think we commented on it in a previous episode, somewhere along the line, I believe. And we're talking about Joker. Yeah. With Joaquin Phoenix and a young, I got to even pronounce this, Dante Pereira Olsen, who plays a young Bruce Wayne. And when we say young, we mean... He's not even a teenager, and the Joker kind of takes him under his wing, as I'm understanding this. The Joker technically thinks so? Yeah, I, yeah, it's yeah. something like that. Anyway, we have seen the trailer. 
I actually rewatched the trailer this afternoon before we're doing the broadcast, and it's disturbing. Basically, he's a comedian. He's downcast. Uh, bad stuff is happening to him. There's a lot of flashback with his relationship with his mother. If you go back to Heath Ledger's interpretation, obviously this is influencing this interpretation by Joaquin. Joaquin. Anyway. Trying to take it a step further, probably, which a little overkill. Yeah. But I think somewhere along the line, you talked about the, these other, uh, the Miller, uh, the Dark, uh, there's been, what, Dark City and some of these other films that have come out of that group of comic books. I don't know yeah, if that's no, influencing this one or not. I really don't, so I'm not going to comment on that. It's just that the trailer looks pretty nasty. Did you see who one of the producers is? Bradley Cooper. That's oh, my gosh. With. And then finally, well, actually, we skipped over. Uh, oh. Ben Affleck's Batman was in Suicide Squad. Right. Mostly, he wasn't in the actual storyline. He was in the flashbacks of how mm. the different villains who make up the Suicide Squad, a couple of them, how they were arrested and put into jail. Yeah. But you see him. I mean, he's in there. And then lastly, June 25th, 2021, there will be a new Batman. The movie's called The Batman. And right now, I guess the actor playing in him is Robert... Pattinson? Yeah, the guy from the Twilight series. Twilight series, yeah. Yep, yep. He's, uh, and he's actually played some other uh, more dramatic and somewhat, shall we say, not nice roles. I'm kind of interested in this movie a little. I don't think it's going to do as good as Christopher Nolan's, but they're taking a different approach. They're basing it somewhat off of Batman Year One, and it's going to be more of a detective, because the first comic he was in was detective comics i mean he was a detective yeah. so it'll be interesting to see how it works so what's the clock on the wall telling us eddie well johnny it's that time again before i turn it over to you as always we thank you for listening and subscribing to our show we have a lot of great shows coming up next week we're talking screen adaptations that didn't work that'll be interesting the episode will also contain our review of the third movie in the has fallen series we're gonna go see that this week, Angel Has Fallen, so we'll have our review in there. In two weeks, as I said at the top of the show, we will have the first of a two-episode event. We're talking Keanu Reeves, followed by We're Talking... It's going to be awesome. Please tell your family and friends about our podcast. Anyone can listen for free on Apple Podcasts or iHeartRadio. New episodes will drop every Monday. Visit Johnny's blog on our website, we'retalkingmovies.com. There you'll find additional commentary, show notes, and references that were mentioned in the show. He's going to get caught up. I, I know. I have confidence. I'm, I'm hoping. I was caught up, and now I'm behind again. The easiest way to subscribe to our podcast is to visit our website, we'retalkingmovies.com. Go to the top right of the page and click on the Subscribe Now button. There you'll find an Apple Podcast button, along with all of your favorite podcast platforms except Pandora. If you have a show idea or just want to say, hey guys, we love your show, send us a comment through our website, DM us on Instagram, or tweet us at We Talkin Movies. Also, find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash word talking movies. We would love to hear from you. That's it for me. Well, that looks like it's all for today, folks. Until next time, keep your eyes on the silver screen. And as we fade to black, this is Johnny Popcorn and Eddie Klieg saying so long till we're talking again. That's a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. Please clear the set.